0: The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors.
1: The Nonprofit Voice is a premier radio program featuring nonprofits on Long Island every Saturday morning. For the past six years, we have learned about, been inspired by, and celebrated hundreds of nonprofits in our community. The Nonprofit Voice is produced by Marketing Works, the only full service marketing and public relations firm that works almost exclusively with nonprofit agencies. We pride ourselves on our reputation in creating strategic marketing and public relations campaigns, successful virtual, hybrid, and live events, as well as powerful social media and digital campaigns. As the leaders in nonprofit marketing, no other agency understands the industry as we do. And we are committed to the success of each and every one of our clients. Marketing Works hopes you enjoy this week's featured nonprofit. Good morning. This is Ron Gold from Marketing Works. The name of the show is a nonprofit voice. And our featured nonprofit this week is Connection. But you might not know Connection that well. They've only been in existence a short time. But I have the chief logistics officer, Frank Lombardi, who is going to tell us all about Connections and its parent company who started that, IGHL. Welcome, Frank. Hi, Ron, good to see you again. (laughs) You too. Tell me about IGHL. How did you get started? I can't believe that your first job at IGHL was the assistant to to the executive director. Uh,
2: yeah, the, the assistant to the CEO uh, for Walter Stockton, um, who started IGHL in uh, 1978, um, and has um, and grown into to what we now know as Connection, the Connection, Connection Network.
1: Well, tell me about IGHL. How did it get started? So
2: back in the early 70s, I'm sure some of our listeners might uh, recall the Geraldo Rivera expose uh, on Willowbrook um walter through a grant and alone um was able to take eight people directly out of willowbrook uh handpicked them to move in our first group home in mount sinai that is still in operation today wow 40 some odd years later
1: and where did you go from there because I mean, you you were so big everybody used to talk that you were one of the biggest agencies on long island
2: uh, well, yeah, we are now. Uh, back then, um, I wasn't going anywhere. I was still playing my Atari. <laughs> but Walter, uh, you know, started with Mount Sinai, uh, learned from that, uh, built, built another home, uh, I think Wisconsin, sent him riches. And then, um, yeah, as funding became available. You know, he, he continued to, uh, along with other agencies, they continued to, to build more um, residential programs and then and got into day programming as well. Um, and and now our entire network, uh, the connection network, um, is, is is probably the largest uh, not for profit on Long Island. We have um, close to forty five hundred employees. Uh, we've got a two hundred, almost a half, a quarter of a billion dollar uh, annual budget. So we've we've been become quite large.
1: Unbelievable. But you know, let's go back a little bit to IGHL when you were first out there. Uh, you started picking up some other agencies you said that nis was the first one that you picked up and then after that it was angela's house and i love bob pellet Pelle- he is amazing for what he's done i know him very well and i respect him he had a tough thing going on and he built on it and he's made it very successful and i'm glad he's with you so we we were just having this conversation and we were just talking He was just talking about, you were talking about how, at the beginning, you didn't have this long-term plan like you have now, which, because it was like a gap of, from 2002 to 2016 before you got the next agency. At that point, you had a whole logistics going on, and that's why you were the chief logistics officer, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I wasn't always, Um, you know, just like many organizations, they evolve, right? So IGHL um, evolved over the years and, and unbeknownst to us at the time, Walter was really putting together a support structure that would be in place to be able to do what we're doing now with Connection. Um, you know, transportation companies, we have our own repair shops, we do our own purchasing, we do our own uh, vehicle maintenance, we do our own facilities maintenance. So all of these logistics functions uh, were starting to be put in place by Walter uh, as the agency started to evolve into a larger agency. Uh, You fast forward, now we have seven affiliates and all of those economies of scale and that support network is really coming into, into fruition and, and really allowing the executive, director, uh, executive directors of the affiliates to focus on programs and to leave finance, IT, and all the logistics functions
1: up to other people within the connection network. Well, if you look at it, it looks to me, as I'm looking at the different agencies that are part of it, that they're all different agencies They're all special needs, but they serve a different community. Was this handpicked that way?
2: Um, It evolved into it. So the, the agencies that are within the connection network, it was very important as we were establishing the network to make sure that each of the seven affiliates retained their identity. Which meant they kept their name, they keep, you know, their, their staffs, their own culture, their own fundraising capabilities are unique to each agency because they have their own needs. NIS runs a special needs preschool for 400 kids in Yapang, CDD is in Nassau County. So now we're, we're de- dealing with ge- geographic sprawl where we were mostly f- a, a greatly focused on the East End. Not all, but greatly. Um, now we're everywhere between Mineola and Greenport.
1: Well, CDD is uh, Woodbury.
2: CDD is based in where Woodbury Head Injury is based out in um, Hopog In Hopag, um, Angela's he- House is also you know based in in Hop-Hog. Um Connections is based in Manville. East End Disabilities is is based in Riverhead. Um, I'm forgetting somebody.
1: Mary Haven is based in Port Jeff Station. So Mary Haven, we're uh, all over the place. And Debbie's on the phone. I think Debbie, are you there?
0: Yes, I am. Uh,
1: Hello. You you forgot about Mary Haven. What should we do about that? (laughs) I didn't forget. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're talking to Debbie Needle. She is the chief fundraising officer for Connection, and she's doing a great job. Welcome. How are you feeling about everything that's going on with Connections?
0: Thanks, Ron. Thanks for having me. Uh, Yeah, it's an exciting time for people with disabilities across Long Island uh, coming under the uh, Connection MSO Uh, through these seven affiliate organizations. There's so many opportunities now uh, working together that we can continue to grow our programs and services. So it's really exciting.
1: Well, you know, one of the things that you and I were discussing uh, before we were on was the fact that these seven agencies that you have that are now part of Connection, their executive directors are all so qualified for what they've done. They've ran agencies themselves, but, you know, they're people that you would want to have as part of your organization. Uh, you know, as you know, I'm, I'm so fond of Lisa Fortell. She was uh, somebody who's been very important in my life and in, in things she's taught me about how she's run her agency, but also Bob and I met Jay, and I've met a bunch of them, and I think having them as part of your group has made you so much stronger.
0: Correct, yeah. So there's um, five executive directors uh, overseeing the seven agencies, and like you said, Lisa meyer Patel brings a wealth of knowledge to the network in in the area of self-direction. Jay Silverstein, who is the executive director for The center, as well as NIS, has um, uh, a a tremendous background in the education and research world. Uh, Chuck Vanick, who is the executive director for Mary Haven, um, has spent his entire career really focusing on residential day services, and Mary Haven has a tremendous Supportive work and employment program for people with disabilities. Um, as you know, Bob um, Pola Castro, he brings an extensive knowledge and history of working with medically frail children and now adults in the IGHL community. So, and then Barbara Senzel, who is our uh, executive director from Head Injury Associates, you know, they bring a wealth of knowledge um, in, in different fields of disabilities. So, uh, specifically with head injuries. So. Together, collectively, they all work as a team to make sure that, um, you know, we create centers of excellences to meet all people's needs, um, all people's unique needs throughout the island uh, through the continuum of care anywhere from birth until the end of life.
1: Well, you know, what I've told you and I've told Frank uh, is that the way you're putting this together is to let the agencies keep their names because so many other agencies were willing to take over some of the other smaller agencies and they would lose their identity. And I know that, you know, for people like Lisa who, you know, it has been her, she's loved it so much because she built it up and she built it up for her family and it, you, you don't want to see that name go away. And the way you guys are doing it, I applaud you immensely for this.
2: Well, it's, it's. Um it's important in so many different ways. So, you know, some people don't like change, right? Right. Um, a, lot a lot of, lot of us. people don't like change, <laughs> <laughs> and and for a lot of people, this was a big change. Absolutely. And, and for people at IGHL as well, as well as the affiliates, so it was very, very important that we maintained the the integrity of each affiliate, not only for the employees, and most importantly, the people that we serve but also their families. So you know, if you're a family member, which I am as well, and you hear that your organization is, is becoming part of a bigger organization, you wanna know well, what does that mean to me, right? Um, and when we explain this to people, it, a light bulb kind of clicks in their head. Oh, okay, it makes sense now. And the importance of having the, the, the affiliates keep their identities is important for the families, important for the staff, important for the people that we serve, but important for Debbie's work as well in terms of fundraising, because a lot of these agencies have their own supporters. So why would they write a check to Connection when they're, they've been writing a check for to CDD or the center for the last 30 years?
1: I understand that. And that makes a lot of sense. But one of the things that we did talk about is the fact that as a logistics officer— that you are looking to bring in, maybe one vendor for all seven agencies. So that supporter that you might have had before that was supporting one of the other agencies might not be the one that wins, but they're not gonna get, if they can't show you that they can get you the best price and the savings are there, then they shouldn't be there anyway. Well, you know, thankfully we have Debbie.
2: (laughs) because She can do it. (laughs) She is a pro at this stuff. I know. I could feel that. And, um, you know, and and I don't want to speak for Debbie, but it it is not an easy thing to do to to ask people for money. No. And in this day and age, it's critical.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you know, as, as far as philanthropy is that, the nice thing about the Connection Network and these seven agencies working together, as Frank said, that, you know, it is really, really important to ensure that the culture and the, the local community still have their agencies. So East End Disability Associates, you know, they they are East End agency, even though Mary Haven and IGHL are out and, and have residential homes in their around the communities, et cetera, but we're not, we're not seeking to come in and to change anybody's culture. We respect and we value the individuality and the uniqueness of all of our seven affiliate agencies. However, in philanthropy, you know, we, we seek to support the agencies and to put best practices into play, right? So as we're seeing, um, you know, the economic climate go up and down, et cetera, We seek to support these agencies so that they can increase their uh, fundraising capacity to support their everyday giving through their annual giving programs, whether it's through working with families, working with the local community. But more importantly, that we're coming together to look at this network to say, okay, where are our centers of excellence so that we don't duplicate our services and efforts if we don't need to? And then we work with philanthropy and philanthropists to make sure that we have the support to build these centers of excellence and sustain them for a really, really long period of time. Because it all comes back to the people that we support, right? It's all about them. And we want to make sure at any given time that we're able to have the financial ability to continue to grow and expand our programs and support to the best that they can be so that these people can live their best life. So while we keep fundraising very, very local, it is an. All, this is also an opportunity that we're able to come together to increase philanthropic efforts for larger scale programs and support.
1: But let me ask you a question on that. If you look at seven agencies, before COVID, they were probably each doing three events a year, whether it was a walk, whether it was golf, whether it was a gala. Uh, and they have to be they support themselves on that that fundraising efforts have to be huge now what happens to somebody like you who's the director of fundraising uh, that you have 21 events do you look to, to find the best ones to keep going for them or do you look to see if there's any way to confine it because you don't want to lose that money that they're getting
0: Yeah, no, no, our job is not to come in and to really take away any of their local efforts with their local community. Obviously, we'll guide them to make sure that all events that they're running are, you know, the most effective that they can be. But, you know, we're not coming in here to tell any of the local affiliate agencies of what to do or what not to do. We just want them to grow and continue to support the people in their programs and services, you know, Um, You know, our job is, though, really to take philanthropy to a new level. Like I said, uh, you know, some of our strategic initiatives is to make sure that we're creating and sustaining and building centers of excellence, whether that's in the employment field, whether that's in the residential homes. The perfect example is that IGHL. Um, in our network really provides our medically frail homes, right? So, whether it's people that need more 24-hour nursing services or as we have an aging population is how do we provide skilled nursing care for those in our programs and and services. And uh, those are very costly programs. So, IGHL really provides that type of service for these seven affiliates um, so that the other agencies don't necessarily have to do that. That's so they kind of are the big hard.
1: daddy in this, right? They make well, sure.
0: <laughs> they're not necessarily the big daddy, but they you know, that's a big program that supports all seven agencies, right? Um continuum of care. That's what parents wanna know. You know, uh, and Frank can attest to this. So often, when we meet with family members, whether it's the parents or the siblings, they want to know how is their loved one going to be cared for as they continue to age, and when their loved ones, you know, the the parents aren't here anymore, they want to know that that full continuum of care is available for for their brother, their sister, their child, et cetera. So these type of programs like building our medically frail homes that we are funded through the state to a certain extent to build them, but we want to make sure that they're best, they are staffed properly. They have the best, um, you know, equipment in these homes, and they're homes, right? And the training for our staff, know how to deal with people with disabilities, developmental disabilities at the end of life. That all takes money, and that's where philanthropy and us coming together really, really, um, this is where we'll see the difference in philanthropy, and we already have started to see the difference in philanthropy. But going back to the events, you know, These agencies will decide. Many, many organizations have shifted away from having so many special events to really narrowing it down to one or two. Um, So we'll see over the next few years what happens with our agencies, but we're not not coming in there and taking away any of their local efforts. They've done such an amazing job, and and we just want to continue to support them and build them up.
1: Yeah, and and my question wasn't about you taking over for them. I, I was just thinking of how How much that money that they were making from those events really kept them going so that you don't have to put a lot of money into them
0: um well, the fundraising dollars really support the um you know the extras and many many of their programs so um uh, you know, they'll continue to do that. So whether it's recreation dollars, uh, you know, summer camp programs. Uh, there's so many different things that the fundraising dollars really do support that makes such a difference in the quality of life of people. And and we we haven't really seen too much of a change in that and we don't expect to see, you know, too much changed in it.
1: Where did the name connection come from? Frank?
2: Oh. <laughs> Debbie was actually more involved with that than I am. But you know, the 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 thought process was that Everything is connected. So how do we make those connections? It, it's, it's all about your relationships. You know, any business you're in, whether you're not in a not-for-profit or, or for-profit business, it's all about the relationships and the connections that you make. And if you look at the connection logo, the one thing that you see in the middle, mm-hmm. and I have, happen to have one in my pocket, is it looks like a person, right? Yeah. And that's what the connection network and all of our affiliates are about—about about person-centered planning, and it's about the people that we serve, their families, and our employees. So um, that was kind of the genesis of it. And, and when you spell connection with a K, it actually comes up—you know—more
1: up top on Google, oh. right? Right, Deb? Yeah, connection <laughs> right. without with a C wouldn't yeah. be like connection like yeah. this.
0: And it, it's a unique name, and oh,
1: without like a doubt.
0: K I N E X I O N, and it's really, you know, the, it, as, as Frank, Frank said, you know, we're all connected and we, we tend to use the word connected quite often in everything that we that we speak about, right? How, how things are all connected together, and uh, that's the main thing, that these seven agencies are connected to make sure that the continuity of care is the best that it can be, but also that um, the energy, the kinetic energy is there, too. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, You're listening to The Nonprofit Voice, and I'm with Connection, formerly IGHL, with Debbie and Frank, and we'll be right back. The Nonprofit Voice is a premier radio program featuring nonprofits on Long Island every Saturday morning. For the past six years, we have learned about, been inspired by, and celebrated hundreds of nonprofits in our community. The nonprofit voice is produced by Marketing Works, the only full-service marketing and public relations firm that works almost exclusively with nonprofit agencies. We pride ourselves on our reputation in creating strategic marketing and public relations campaigns, successful virtual, hybrid, and live events. As well as powerful social media and digital campaigns. As the leaders in nonprofit marketing, no other agency understands the industry as we do, and we are committed to the success of each and every one of our clients. Marketing Works hopes you enjoy this week's featured nonprofit. Good morning. This is Ron Gold from Marketing Works, and I have connections today. I have connections with Debbie Needle and Frank Lombard. Welcome to the show. And I want to talk a little bit about DSPs. And there is an event coming up on November 17th that Marketing Works produces with Community Care Rx. They did this last year, and each agency picks out one honoree who is a DSP, and they get featured and they get awards that night. But what Marketing Works is going to be doing is we're going to spotlight Every week on our radio show, a different DSP. And the first one we're going to do is from IGHL. So they'll be on the week after, I think November 17th, so it's probably November 24th that they'll be on. We'll do a five minute interview. They don't have to come to the studio, but every agency who has a person that day at the DSP Awards is going to be featured on this show. So. What do you think of that? I think
2: that's awesome. You know, the, the DSPs are the unsung hero of our entire industry. Right. Um, they amaze me every single day how well they care for our guys, how much they care about about the folks that we, we take care of. And it's absolutely remarkable uh, the job that they all did during COVID. I mean, these are folks that were just going into these houses and taking care of people and, and getting the job done and, um, you know, it, it, those are the people that, that are, I would say, the most critical uh, people within the agencies because they are the people that are providing that, that direct care.
1: Well, how many houses do you have total?
2: Ah, I have my cheat sheet, Ron. I didn't know that. I can't that. remember all these numbers. <laughs> <laughs> so in, as far as the entire network goes, we have 135 group homes. That's throughout all seven affiliates. Um, That doesn't include our schools, our day programs. Uh, You add everything up, and and we've got about 250 uh, separate and unique
1: locations throughout Nassau and Suffolk. So, this was before connections. So, at that time, there were less than that, right? Yes. And your job as a logistics guy was to take care of everybody and make sure they were, you know, that everybody was, uh, that. People were at the homes, right, all the time.
2: Well, during COVID, um, everybody everybody had to be on their game. Everybody at every level within the organization. So it it was it was just a coordinated effort that was massive. We worked on twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, and um, it, it just needed to happen. Just just like you know you've seen in hospitals with nurses going, yeah. you know, out direct care staff all the way up to our our program directors, Um, they were going into these homes when people had COVID and putting themselves in jeopardy and danger and and they just did a remarkable job at saving lives.
1: But this is a logistics nightmare to try to put this all together, right?
2: (laughs) Um, It's actually not because I, I go back to that infrastructure that Walter put the framework together throughout the 80s and 90s and now that we're in a position that framework is really serving us well Um, there are some challenges from a logistics stance standpoint Um, right now it's it's product availability and product pricing price of gas is is affecting us in 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 a negative way because we drive about seven and a half million miles Wow. A year throughout the network because we have almost 600 vehicles in our fleet. So with that many miles, you can imagine how much gas we go through. A lot of our bigger vehicles are diesel, which is very expensive. So, you know, gas, heating oil is going to affect us this winter. All of these things, you know, food prices, they are all coming at a time um, where we're coming out of the pandemic looking, you know, looking to, to, to come out stronger and, Everything seems to be working against us, but we have a, a the, the team in place that we need to to make all this happen, and that's the beauty of the network. Is that's how these affiliates will realize the cost savings. So they're realizing cost savings whether inflation's up or down, right? So their costs would be higher because we wouldn't be buying the volume of product that we're buying today as a complete network. It would just be every small entities still shopping at grocery stores and paying retail prices
1: so what you're saying to me that's making the most sense is by getting one supplier for each or one v- vendor for each of your uh, whether it's construction whether it's uh, health care whether it's prescription drugs makes a lot of sense now
2: it does, uh, it, it does, but you always have to have a backup plan, right? So you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket and have one vendor and then have them be negatively That's affected true. by the economy and they go out of business. So we look at things, ge- geographics plays a big role in logistics for us.
1: It should, yeah.
2: It may not for other people, but for us it does. Um, we were very comfortable uh, being in Suffolk County for many years. Um, and then now we're all over the place. So it presents certain challenges, but you also have assets that come with the affiliation. So Mary Haven, they also had a three, three bay uh, maintenance facility for vehicles that came with a gas station or gas pumps. not Oh, a gas wow.
1: Station. Good.
2: So that is something that one of the affiliates had that we didn't have within our network. Um, you know, NAS is a universal preschool. At the time that NAS became part of IGHL, we had our own daycare center, and so did NAS. It made sense to move our daycare center and consolidate it at NAS. They have the staff and, and the people that they need to, to run those programs. So, all of these affiliates have something to add to the network, and the network also has something to add to the affiliates.
1: But you look at it from what you told me before, before we were even on the air about. The way Walter put things together, like the bus companies, Mm -hmm. you know, that he was going to supply the buses for everybody instead of using the other companies to do it. He was actually structuring the ITHL for the future the same way. He was. He, he was, and, and
2: and Walter's a true visionary when it comes to this kind of stuff because he was doing social enterprise back in the 80s when nobody even knew what a social enterprise was. So we owned our own gas station at a, at a, a point in time that evolved into our own maintenance facilities. We had our own desktop publishing company and print shop. Uh, you know, We had Flower Barn, which is now called Smile Farms, which is our, our wholesale uh, garden center and nursery. So all of these things... Walter was doing to prepare IGHL for the future but it morphed into this network of connections
1: now what you have now is is seven agencies do you foresee that that seven's going to be 14 I'm not
2: saying that it won't you know asked me 10 years ago if I thought there would be seven and I would have said probably not hopefully but you never know what's going to happen right now funding is is tight with the state and you know everybody's Everybody's uh, watching their money and watching dollars, but I think the focus within the entire network right now, I'd say, if you pin me down to the one of the most the most important thing right now, is hiring staff. We oh need my staff. God.
1: Yeah. Yes
2: we we need staff just like everybody else needs staff,
1: but but it's seven times everybody else. <laughs>
2: yeah, you know it's it's we we cannot for direct care professionals cannot offer a remote option it's just not possible to be a caregiver and do it from afar maybe if you're a teledoc it works but when somebody you know relies on you for for their daily needs then it just doesn't work um you know we we go through cycles and and it usually goes as the economy you know waxes and wanes up and down um but It seems like this is a challenge for everybody in every industry and everybody's kind of trying to figure out where did everybody go? Um, And it's not just New York State, it's every state, so I'm not sure what happened to the workforce and what people are doing for money, but um, we sure can use good people to work for us and if people are looking for something really, really meaningful to do, something that will make their lives more complete Take it from somebody that came from the corporate world. There's nothing like being a part of this network.
1: And you're going to be celebrating 25 years next year or this year?
2: Me personally, 25 years in February, yes.
1: Congratulations. Thank you. Now, what percentage of the people that are working there have been there 25 years? A lot. A be- lot. Believe me, a, a lot. S- I can believe you because I see it at every agency except for Debbie. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Debbie. You happen- <laughs> That's okay. but she's a valued employer. We were talking about we're coming into the holiday season uh, and this is tough. You know, it's tough for everybody, especially with uh, inflation and people not having enough money to do things. Uh, What are some of your suggestions, Debbie? You know,
0: the holidays, um, for our affiliate agencies are really, really a special time um, to celebrate family. And that's really what our agencies seek to build, family environments. And, um, you know, there's so many of our individuals that uh, many, many of our individuals do go home to their their biological families uh, during the holidays, but there are quite a few that do not have families to go home to. And that's, you know, talking about our workforce, It is such a special workforce. Our DSPs, our our nursing staff, they're amazing. And and what we see happen often is that they wind up taking um, some of our program participants home to their families to celebrate. Um, And we we ensure that nobody um, is alone during the holiday seasons. And throughout our agencies during the holidays, there's so many celebrations, you know, there's uh festivals, there's tree lighting, there are Hanukkah celebrations. Uh, Thanksgiving is a really, really special holiday for, for all of us because we are so grateful and thankful for, for everything that people do for us. So it's a really, really meaningful time. Um, I know Walter Stockton just recently shared um, with us some of his most uh, cherished memories in his 43 years, uh, 44 almost years at IGHL since he founded it. And and some of those include bringing people home to his family to celebrate the holidays, as well as, you know, um, you know, the tree lighting ceremonies, the baking of the cookies, et cetera. And, you know, we do depend on the community to support us during the holidays, too. Right. Through all seasons, but particularly in the holidays, because the holidays are about family and that's what our affiliates are. So. Just like you would provide to your families, we tried to give gifts, we tried to have that, you know special celebrations of food, etc, uh, to decorate our homes, decorate our dayhabs, but that all costs money and how do we come up with that money? We come up with through uh, philanthropy so um, we have such a tremendous amount of support from community and civic groups, and it's just it's just wonderful.
1: well, let me ask you something about colas. I know that this year uh that most of the agencies got a nice hit in comparison to what they got in the past, which was nothing. <laughs> so well, basically nothing. So what do you see on the horizon?
2: You know, we, we're grateful that we got 5.4%. However, it's not enough to cover the cost of inflation. So where we got a significant increase this year, more significant than we've gotten in a number of years, it, it it softens the blow somewhat, but it's not where it needs to be. And that's where we need the to state to, to, to really come up with the money that we can we can pass off to our direct
1: care staff. Do you see that as a one-time shot or do you have enough of a um, lobbying effort behind you? And since uh, Carrie Neifeld is going to be at this event in two weeks, is everybody going to go after her? Uh, you know,
2: I, I'm, I'm lucky enough where I don't, have to you know deal with any politics um uh, you know that's all stuff that 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 gets hashed out you know uh, you know at the state level but um you know as far as as the direction that the connection network is going um you know it's just been an amazing year um coming out of the the you know the pandemic and um yeah, you know, like I said, we are, our, our biggest challenge right now is we need staff. Because you look at so you know, what happens
1: when you don't have enough staff? Does that mean that people have to work overtime? They have to work absolutely two shifts, three yeah, shifts. Absolutely, and, we have we have. Do they get overtime? We have directors,
2: assistant directors, they all don't. working shifts as well. Oh um, wow, they don't get overtime because they're exempt employees, right? Um, but if you're an exempt employee and you, you know. Yeah, it's all re- governed by the Department of Labor laws. So you have to pay people overtime if they work overtime. So, absolutely. Does uh, that help
1: them as far as the money they're getting? Because they're getting now, based on the COLA effort and then this overtime, but they have to work how many hours to well, get to it, that?
2: You know, it, it helps them to a certain point. So, right. overtime is something you have to really watch when you're caring for people, you're driving vehicles. So, you can't. You know, have people work three shifts back to back because at that point they're not really going to be a safe employee. What percentage are you down? A a lot, a A lot. lot. I mean, we have hundreds of of openings openings right now, Um, and and we have a very robust benefits package. Um, You know, the 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 things that you need to do as an organization to be able to offset. You know, you can't pay thirty people thirty dollars an hour in our industry. You might be able to charge that in certain industries, but not in ours. Um, so, how do you make yourself more competitive? You do it by doing all the, the right things with benefits, um, bonuses. You, yeah, we don't call them bonuses. We no, we, we give out enhancements at the end of the year because we're financially, you know, prudent throughout the year. So, anything that we can save, we give back to the employees as well. Um, but anything that we can add you know tuition and reimbursement we do all those things
1: well you know I was having this conversation with debbie before we talked about some of the ag- other agencies are having job fairs is that on your bellywig do you
2: we do we have job fairs all the time um, you know we do them virtually we do them at colleges we we go everywhere um it's just very challenging right now i, I I was just telling somebody today that I cannot recall another time in my lifetime that I've seen a help wanted sign in just about every single store. Everywhere. Outside the stores. (laughs) Yeah, outside the stores. Um, Everybody is in the same boat, but when you're taking care of people, it's that much more important. Um, And like I said, if you want to come to work in a special place, come to Connections, come to one of our agencies, go on our websites, whether it's IGHL, CDD, Mary Haven, NIS, East End, uh, Head Injury. Go on their websites. All of our job postings are listed there. And and please give us a chance.
1: What's your um, phone number and website?
2: Um, Our our main number where you can be directed to any affiliate is 631-878-8900. Or you can go to uh, www.connection.org or IGHL.org and... get connected, no pun intended, uh, to all. Well, that's why you
1: take that name though. (laughs) Exactly.
2: Exactly.
1: So Debbie, I wanted to talk to you about, uh, next year, what's going on as far as, uh, what you see for philanthropy.
0: Um, yeah. So like I said, you know, I mean, for all the local affiliates, the affiliate agencies, they'll continue to work with their local organizations, uh, to uh, raise money to support those items that are not funded through our state budgets, um, you know, each agency has their strategic priorities in place for 2023 and uh, through 2025. Um, so we will be, you know, working with the community to try and fund uh, those strategic uh, priorities, and they include various things and and Careforce, our Careforce program. Is right. Uh, it, it is our top priority right now. So, uh, for philanthropy throughout the network, we you know we will be paying a lot of attention and putting a lot of effort into raising dollars to recruit and retain um, our workforce. Uh, as, as you just all spoke about, you know, um, we can't pay the thirty dollars an hour based on our reimbursement. So, if there's some enhancements that we can continue to provide to them. Uh, if there's opportunities to increase our benefits, we absolutely will. But that type of stuff is coming through philanthropy right now. So it's a critical time for our agencies, just like many, many nonprofits out there, um, you know, to to create uh, programs to um, enhance our care for our system. So that is one of our main strategic priorities.
1: What do you see as far as OPW now? Has there been a a change? No. (laughs) That's okay.
0: I I will say, I think that Commissioner Carrie Neifeld has been fantastic. She's come to see our agencies over the past year. Um, I think she's trying, you know. uh, But, you know, we still operate on rates from 2017, and there's still a lot of work to be done in the future. And we're working, you know, with them and communicating with them to let them know our needs um, for the future.
1: Well, do you know uh, whether the new budget that she's going to propose, is she going to be putting in more, uh, more of a COLA increase for you or for everybody? I can answer
0: that right now. Yeah,
2: um, we, we typically don't, don't get any indications of what is going to be included in the budget until budget time gets real close.
1: And we've, we've got a part, and we want to make sure that uh, the governor gets back in. You know, it's getting scary sometimes when you hear that, you know, the lead has been cut, but uh, I still think she'll be in. She has. So, Frank Lombardo and Debbie Needle, thank you so much for making such a good show today. Thanks for having us, Ron.
0: Thanks, Ron.
1: Bye, Debbie. Bye. Bye, Frank.